This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to talk to you about why I believe God exists. And that's the approach I want to take with our subject this afternoon. Um, and we're going to take it in two different phases. One is going to look at what we see around us in the world and just to reflect on how that came about. And for me, it shows the requirement for a creator on one level to see order and to see the detail and wonder of everything around us so that's one part of what we will consider but then the, answer, the next question is well that might be the case but who is that designer who is that and, and that's where we come on to the Bible and we come on to the God of the Bible and the wonder of the gospel message and, and that's the second part of what we're going to look at so then God, his existence and we start in the Bible with an introduction to God there in the first verse in the beginning God so it's suggesting, the Bible is suggesting that God was in existence before creation before the world was, was created and it says that God created, God created the heaven and the earth. And we just reflect on the magnitude of that statement and that claim. And at the conclusion of that opening chapter in Genesis, we see reference there to everything having been made, and behold, it was very good. And we think of a world without pollution, without the trouble and, and difficulties we see around us today and it must have been a wonderful place uh, it's interesting you, you take the Bible in its entirety and you see those explanations at the start there as to creation in Genesis 1 some, some would suggest well that doesn't quite fit how I understand uh, things played out in the beginning and there's other explanations and ideas can we just sort of lose that bit it's, it doesn't quite fit with my understanding perhaps we'll, we'll take some of the gospel message but we'll leave that bit well it is interesting to see through the scriptures how that others uh, believed and relied on those chapters in Genesis which really rules out that approach uh, you've got several references on the screen there to Moses and David, the prophet Isaiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, even Paul in the chapter we read together in Acts, clearly showing their belief in the, the Bible record of creation. So it is a, a very much a, a take it or leave it in, in its entirety approach to, to the scriptures and, and the Bible message. And it there speaks of God in Genesis of him having said and him having made and he achieved it by his power the Holy Spirit and the earth was created and it is a unique planet capable of supporting life 
it was very good and if we look at the world that we live on and we look at some of the details and we could put up 20 or 30 characteristics of the earth that show that it is pure well, it is unique for supporting life we've put there just some very brief summaries comparing the planets in this universe and how that the earth is is in that zone in terms of its orbit round the sun that is capable of supporting life and it just so happens that that orbit is largely circular so that there's no huge variations in the temperatures or the impact on, on, on the planet that we live on it just so happens that the sun is a certain type of sun that radiates a certain type of light and heat that doesn't just frazzle life on the earth or, or leave us freezing but actually is just right for life and the temperature variations are such that life is, is capable of ex existing and there is fresh water and we've got a system on the earth that constantly renews that fresh water that is, is so very special, so wonderful and essential for life. And that shows to me that, that there's something very wonderful about the planet that we live on. If we turn to the prophet Isaiah, he has a, a comment on this. He, he looks at the earth that we live on and, and he declares, or God declares, sorry, I have made the earth and created man upon it. Even my hands have stretched out the heavens, and all their host have I commanded. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. God created the earth to be inhabited and it is so uniquely capable of supporting life it's one aspect another one Jenny it's really life and the miracle of life and that of a, a baby and we wondered when our various children arrived at the wonder of life and the creation of life and the miracle that is there various scientists have tried to create life from things that are dead and they've disproved that spontaneous generation can take place I very much remember that experiment at school in biology early secondary school years and taking that swan neck flask with agar in and heating it up and then trying to get life to start and nothing happened for a couple of weeks and then the, the teacher broke the swan neck and so then very quickly some blue furry stuff started to grow on the agar and you knew that yes life had started but the point that Pasteur established from that simple experiment was that you don't get life from nothing life comes from something that's alive you don't get spontaneous generation and, and scientists have advanced a lot since then and, and a lot of work has been done there's 
a couple of gentlemen, Ure and Miller, who did a lot of work in the 50s on this. And, and they were exploring what's known as the soup theory, uh, primeval soup as, as it was discussed. And, and they tried to create life from something that was dead. And maybe they got one or two elements, amino acids, that were able to, to occur, but they certainly did not create life from nothing in the, in the laboratory. And the fact that there is life on this earth, and life has occurred to me, indicates the need for a, a creator. And that's the challenge um, that we're constantly leaving with you. The Bible describes it in a, in a bit more detail in Genesis chapter 2. And it talks about God creating men and women. It talks about him creating them as living beings. And here we, we see that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul or a living being. God created life. And, th and that's the question really. What is the source of life? Where does it come from? And if we think about our bodies, and we think how uh, wonderful they are, think about our eyes, it's when we start to lose our sight that we realise what we've taken for granted. And we think about it. This is ready for a bit of audience participation. You're familiar with that? Well, can you take your hymn book or Bible see how close you can read it to your face mine's about a foot away I think ok I want you to see if you can read it now and then I want you to see how close you can get it it goes a bit fuzzy if I come closer than 6 inches ok and then look up at the screen and you can adjust quite quickly, can you read that no, David can't but he's taking his glasses off but, but you're familiar with that experiment you, you can see something close and you can adjust and see something far off and our eyes adjust and accommodate that our eyes adjust to different levels of light and uh, pupils dilate and, and we can let more light in and so we can see in the gloom but we can also respond to very bright sunlight and just less, less light in and, and we can accommodate that and my dad can't he's colour blind but most of us can appreciate the colours it's quite entertaining playing him at snooker but, but the, the wonder of colour and our eyes can accommodate and adapt to all these things now, now this is a picture taken from the Cricket World Cup and it's a rather large Bermudan policeman, Dwayne Leverock, over 20 stone he is. And he's in the slips there and he is diving to catch a ball one-handed and it was one of the catches of the tournament. But what you have there, his eyesight being able to respond to a, an object moving at speed and his brain, almost in automatic, can instruct his body to respond and throw itself so his muscles and his, his whole body has responded 
to catch something and he's responded to its movement and flight and caught it one handed now now that is the eye in action something far away moving at close on 80-90 miles an hour and he's responding and it's movement and adjusting to it coming nearer focusing, instructing his brain his brain responding, instructing his body and throwing himself and when it all works together as a system like that it is awesome and we remember that sort of level of biology at school and we'd got a, a retina at the back of the eye and we've got the blind spot and we've got this optic nerve that takes the message and and processes it and sends it to the brain and it goes upside down and the brain flips it round and somehow we, we have a constant moving image we don't perhaps see it at that sort of level of detail in terms of the different layers of the retina and the cones and rods and all the other different extra bits and pieces and if I'd have seen that at school in terms of the a briefest of summaries of, a, of the biochemical process that takes place when light strikes the retina at the back of our eyes we start to get a glimpse into the complexity of our bodies and the way that we are made and the way that we function what I'm trying to suggest is that that for me shows that there must have been a creator how do you get such complexity by chance or by accident so if we turn to Psalm 139 we see the psalmist reflecting on God's almighty power the psalmist there comments thou hast possessed my reins thou hast covered me in my mother's womb this is a a picture of the psalmist reflecting on his development as a during his mother's pregnancy I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made marvellous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth mine eyes did see my thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect and in thy book all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them how precious also are thy thoughts unto me O God how great is the sum of them this idea that we are fearfully and wonderfully made for me summarizes beautifully that idea and that thought so how do these things happen by chance and I could put lots of ideas and analogies to you at this point Um, this comment from this scientist Wick Ramasinga in his comment about evolution from space he, he comments that the chances that life just occurred on earth are about as unlikely as a typhoon blowing through a junkyard and constructing a Boeing 747 and you see a Boeing 747 and and you look at it and you see design you see high high skilled manufacturing uh, and you know how that bit of 
tin metal sticks up in the air is wonderful but you understand the, the science that has gone into that and the design and the manufacturing well look at the world that we live in look at ourselves with the same sort of eye and where do we land how do we answer that of course there was a, a very strong advert uh, on buses down in London that got quite a lot of coverage this idea there's probably no God now stop worrying and enjoy your life um, the psalmist inspired by God wrote in response to that the fool hath said in his heart there is no God they are corrupt they have done abominable works there is none that doeth good now that's some quite strong language and, and if I was to say that you would say well that's really quite arrogant of you well it's, it's not me it's God and it's God's word that's saying that so there's there's a real need for us to carefully consider these things this is really important this is right at the heart of our understanding about who we are why we're here and what we're about so there's some really serious issues for us to face up to and consider so from looking at the world that we live in looking at the complexity of our own bodies the wonder of life for me it speaks of, of intelligent design of a creator how everything is just right for life complex bodies were made for me it, it says that there, there is a designer for me another level says that there is a God but we'll, we'll come on to that so then I want to take us on to our second part of our, our, our theme which is this idea of the Bible which I believe is the word of God um, let's just set out to you some of the claims that the Bible makes very simply um, it claims to be the word of God uh, Peter in the New Testament writes that prophecy of the scripture is of, of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not by the will of man in other words it wasn't men and women just making it up it was that they were directed by God but by the will, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit it was God inspired the word of God and it's the whole book so it includes Genesis 1 and it goes through to Revelation and it is the key to salvation and, and this takes it to another level so, that, so this starts to answer more questions uh, than, than just God exists it starts to answer questions about why we're here um, there's a, a lovely intimate passage in 2 Timothy where Paul is writing to Timothy Paul had had a very close working relationship with Timothy and it's at the end of Paul's life and, and there in 2 Timothy 3 Paul is seeking to impress on Timothy the importance of his knowledge of God's word and having been brought up with that knowledge and not to take it for granted and so there's this comment thou hast known the scriptures which are able to make thee wise and to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable and 
and so it continues. But, but the, the, the summary is there, the key point is made. We shouldn't go amending it. it it's not just there to be tampered with and altered, it's, it's God's word. And so there's a passage there in Revelation which speaks about not adding to these things or taking away from them. It's God's word, it's part of, of God's Bible. So, what, we've got this book, it's made big claims, enormous claims, we've, we've just highlighted those. Well, how can we be, how can we rely on it? And how can it show to us, we, we've said that we, we feel that there's a designer, there's, there's a creator, how can we then marry the two up and be confident of, of there being a God and the Bible telling us about that God? And we can but just introduce one or two ideas to support that now. Well, the one I want to speak to you about is the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, because in the New Testament, that seems to be where the apostles start their preaching. And it's focused on the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and it's at the center of God's plan and purpose revealed in the Bible. So that seems a good thing to pick up. And it's the consistency of the Bible message to me that shows to me this isn't just men and women writing over thousands of years and it just so happens details marry up. That actually this is the word of Almighty God and that there is a God and he has got a plan and purpose and it can involve you and me. So let's think about the Lord Jesus Christ can we please come back in our Bibles to Genesis, the first book in the Bible, and chapter 3. We've mentioned how that God made everything in the, in the world and it was very good. We see there that Adam and Eve are placed in a garden known as Eden, and it was idyllic. And God gives them a simple commandment, not to eat of one of the trees. Eve was deceived by a serpent and she succumbed and broke that commandment and she gave to her husband of the fruit of that tree and he also partook of it. So they had both broken God's commandment. And as a result of that, they're punished and excluded from the garden. But even here in Genesis chapter 3, Almighty God is at work and in his plan he is going to send the Lord Jesus Christ to help reach out to mankind and bridge this gulf now that had been created because of the sin of, of Adam and Eve. And I'm suggesting to you that even in Genesis 3 there's references to the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll just pick up one of those little details. Adam and Eve at this point were naked and they weren't embarrassed up until the point when they partook of this fruit and then they realized their, their nakedness and they took leaves of the trees and they sought to make garments for them to wear to, to cover that nakedness and it was completely inadequate and God provides a solution. And we see there in Genesis 3, verse 21, And to Adam also and his wife 
did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them well yes what's that got to do with the Lord Jesus Christ you might say well I would suggest to you that is showing that men and women couldn't cover their own sin and the way that they'd let God down they couldn't cover that, that mistake that they had made they needed a covering from God and for skins to be provided to them an animal must have died and we have the concept introduced in the Bible of sacrifice and their sin being covered by this sacrifice of the animal and I would suggest to you that that sacrifice points forward to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament and so here even in Genesis 3 we've got a prophecy that looks forward to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and it's interesting Peter in the New Testament picks up this and, and there he is in his letter he writes how that we are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish without spot who is a perfect sacrifice who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world he was in God's plan and purpose before creation isn't that wonderful so that little detail there in Genesis 3 actually is, could well be speaking about Christ and it fits into this pattern isn't it wonderful that level of detail and the way it fits together well let's come on let's come to Genesis chapter 22 we meet here a remarkable man of faith we meet a man called Abraham we're coming towards the end of Abraham's life God has called Abraham out from a, a godless place Ur of the Chaldees, modern day Iraq and God has said to Abraham I want you to get up from your home separate yourself from your family and from your kindred and come to a land that I will show you of and God makes promises to him but they are conditional on certain actions from, from Abraham and from Genesis chapter 12 through to Genesis 22 we see Abraham's life presented to us and the way he responded to this challenge in faith he believed in the God of the Bible and God made promises to him and those promises I would suggest to you center in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and they culminate, they climax in this picture in Genesis 22 when, when God has challenged Abraham to sacrifice his son, his only son Isaac and Abraham was willing to submit to God's instruction but God provides a sacrifice ultimately and doesn't require Abraham to do this and, and go through with that but, but we see here these promises uh, if we're coming into verse 17 that in blessing I will bless thee in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed so um, firstly a note of caution that word seed could be singular or plural so if you look in various modern translations it makes it plural refers to descendants 
so so be careful about that in this instance I, I believe that the seed that shall possess the gate of his enemies is singular and is speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ Jesus' enemy was his own human nature his tendency to sin and he overcame it he was victorious he lived a perfect life and he overcame so even though he was killed by a most cruel death on the cross he was victorious he overcame sin and so he possessed the gates of his enemies yes he was crucified but he was raised from the dead the grave couldn't hold him he, he possesses that gate the gate of the city controls everything that's in the city and what goes on in the city and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed and so through that one descendant the Lord Jesus Christ the hope of the gospel message isn't just for Jews it's for everyone and that's the wonder of the gospel message and it's here in God speaking to Abraham in Genesis 22 you may be saying well that's quite a bit far fetched to read all that into that chapter again we can come to the New Testament and Paul there to the Galatians writes the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying in thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed now that's fascinating isn't it because if we were asked well where's the gospels well it's Matthew Mark Luke and John isn't it that's where we'd go well sorry it's Genesis as well now and we see that the Lord Jesus Christ was preached to Abraham back in Genesis and so we see there Paul continues to Abraham and to his seed were the promises made he saith not unto seeds as of many but as of one and to thy seed which is Christ so it's not just my interpretation it's actually the divine interpretation through the Apostle Paul and we have it there confirmed in Galatians and all these details fit together is, is this just a man-made writing or is this the word of God I suggest to you this is the plan and purpose of Almighty God that we're starting to, to explore the way all these details fit together let's come on to, to the nation of Israel then in the land of Israel let's come to 2 Samuel and chapter 7 we have here one, the first of the major shepherd kings we have David introduced to us a man who secured many uh, military victories for Israel and established the, the kingdom of Israel in the land he wanted to build a temple for God but God um, doesn't require that he doesn't require a, a building made of, of stone and precious metal to be worshipped in but he makes a promise for David in response to this offer from David and, and we see here in in 2 Samuel 7 some more promises we see that God says that David's going to have a son 
Verse 12, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of men. Verse 16, Thy house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. So we think about David and we think about his reign and yep, he died. And after he died, his son Solomon was king and his son built God a temple, a wonderful temple at Jerusalem. So you might think, well, this is the fulfillment of these promises. He shall build an house for my name. Okay. But it then says, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Well, Solomon's dead, so it's not Solomon. We can't see Solomon as the answer here. Verse 14, I will be his father, and he shall be my son. So God is the father of David's descendants. Now, how does that work? I would suggest to you that this is speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. Well, Jesus didn't sin. He was perfect. But he died as a sacrifice for our sin. And the beauty of it is that we can now go to the New Testament and see the angel appearing to Mary and telling her that she is to be the mother of the Son of God. And she and Joseph were both in the direct line of King David. And suddenly these details start to fit together again. And the angel there says to Mary, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David ok so we've got the link now with 2 Samuel 7 verse 13 to 16 Jesus is the fulfilment he's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever well, that fits with the detail in 2 Samuel 7 and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Isn't this wonderful? So now we're getting this picture of God's plan and purpose. And it's in the future. And it's on the earth. And it involves the establishment of God's kingdom. So this is telling us that there is a God. And he's created the earth. And he's got a plan and purpose. And it centers in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and it's going to involve Jesus as the king and David is going to be resurrected to see it because it says it will be before him he will see it he will be resurrected to see that day what a wonderful picture we're starting to pull together and so we see all those details fulfilled in the life and work of the Lord Jesus Christ both in the records we see in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John but it also points to the future and it points to the kingdom but the Bible speaks about other things that are going happening around us and being fulfilled 
um, it's called Bible prophecy and it's the way that God has revealed his plan and purpose before these events come to pass and again it shows to us the, the wonder of God and his word the first one is, is here dealing with Israel we don't have time now to deal with this in any detail and I can give you the passages afterwards if you want to look them up but the, the God through the prophet Isaiah speaks of Israel as a witness a witness to God's existence and God's continuing plan and purpose almost whether they like it or not they are a witness to God's existence and that there is a God the Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 21 tells his disciples and, and those who were listening that God is going to judge Israel because of their godlessness and them having rejected the son of God and that they were to be physically exiled from the land of Israel and we can look at the events of the Judean Roman wars in the late 60 AD through to the early 100s and we see that that actually took place as the Lord Jesus Christ prophesied and so we see there the Titus's arch in Rome and we see a celebration of this crushing of this uprising from the Jews in the land of Israel and what Jesus prophesied has come to pass then there's spoken of in Deuteronomy that if the Jews were disobedient to God's laws then they would suffer a punishment they were God's special people but if it didn't just come as a blank check they, it was conditional and if they were obedient to God they would be blessed but if they were disobedient then they would be punished and we see the terrible suffering that the Jews have faced over the last 2,000 years no settled homeland and various acts from different governments over the centuries against them even in this country in, in this country going back to the early 1000 and, and we see the Jews being exiled from, from even from England but we see it more terribly in the second world war and we see the holocaust and the terrible actions of Hitler uh, against the Jews and, and we see there so accurately fulfilled some of those words from Deuteronomy 28 that, that speak of the terror of the, the sufferings that the Jews would face but yet God said that they would return to the land of Israel and that they would be reborn again as a nation and they have been and so we see the events after the second world war we, we see there the establishment of the state of Israel in 1948 David Ben-Gurion the, the new prime minister there and, and we, we wonder at God's plan and purpose being fulfilled in the earth even in our own days that point to the nearness of God's the establishment of God's kingdom so, so this to me 
we've worked around it to a level but to me it shows that there is a God and that actually we have got his word in front of us in the Bible and that's the wonder of what I think we're pulling together and that what the Bible says is reliable and the prophecies that God has, has revealed are reliable and have come to pass that there are other prophecies relating to the future and we can be confident also that they will come to pass and we see the wonderful hope of the gospel message that God has said Jesus will return to the earth to establish his kingdom and that's what we long for we see there in Acts Jesus taken up to heaven and, and the angels there saying to the disciples this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven think of the words in the Lord's prayer that speak of us asking God for thy kingdom to come and thy will to be done on earth as it is in heaven so then let's just conclude with a few verses from Acts 17 interesting because Paul here in Acts 17 much more eloquently than I can really takes the topic of God's existence and deals with it and I suggest that, that you, you read those verses again uh, and it's wonderful the way he is introducing here to a, an audience that doesn't know the God of the Bible the God of the Bible and he he speaks to them of God as the creator God that made the world and all things therein and he then speaks about the way God provides life verse 28 for in him we live and move and have our being so God is the creator and the he is the one who created life for as much then as we are the offspring of God we have a responsibility to respond to our creator in the times of this ignorance God has overlooked but now commands all men everywhere to repent so the fact that up to this point perhaps we haven't had a full awareness or an understanding of these things well God's willing to overlook that but now he demands a response from all of us because verse 31 he is appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness through the Lord Jesus Christ and we can be confident of that because he's raised Jesus from the dead so that's the wonder of the gospel message we're introducing to you tonight and the ideas around this theme of God's existence and, and why I believe that there is a God thank you we hope you enjoyed that talk for more downloads, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk.